Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is with me. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you today? Doing very well, thanks. And we've got a we've got a special guest joining us, Rich Bracken, who is the director of business development at the law firm of Fredrickson and Byron in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. At least that's where where Rich is based. Um, and Rich, in addition to that, is kind of a multimedia star. I would as I would describe him, and I'm, I'm sure he's, he'd be okay with me kind of uh, joking with him like that. But he does a lot of public speaking. Uh, he's a prolific blogger. Um, you'll see him. You, you would have seen him on television in the Kansas City area, certainly, maybe in Minneapolis before we uh, before too long here. And he also has his own podcast, among other. Uh, among other initiatives that that Rich is involved with. So needless to say, he's a, he's a big thought leader and big creator of content, and we're really thrilled to have him on the show. So welcome, Rich. Thanks, Jay and Tom. I appreciate it. And by star, you probably mean a big collection of hot air, which is definitely me. So I will take that title and run with it. <laughs> I guess that is the literal definition of a star. So yeah, <laughs> I like that. Well, speaking of being a star, um, we wanted to kind of start there. I, I know on a, a relatively recent podcast episode of yours, uh, you talked about an experience you had, and I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to ask you about this, which is having appeared on a game show uh, not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken, the $100,000 Pyramid. So how did that happen, and what was that experience like? So yeah, it was, uh, it was 2017, so it, was, it, was, it seems like it was yesterday, but it was a couple of years ago, and, and honestly, one of my big life mantras is take a chance. You know, why not? You know, my wife, I say, why not all the time? Matter of fact, I was running an idea by her last night and it ended with why not? And so I've always been a big game show fanatic, even as a kid. And, and even when Bob Barker retired, uh, I was a huge, always have been a huge Price is Right fan. And so when Bob Barker announced his retirement, I literally called the production company to ask for an audition because that is my dream job. And uh, I'm actually basing a TED talk off of that experience itself right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I applied to be on the $100,000 pyramid and it was a long shot, went through the audition, uh, the audition sequence. And it was, you know, a lot more grueling than you think. I mean, it was half a dozen phone calls and Skype interviews and uh, played the game and got to talk to all the casting producers and everything else and um, got the call to go to New York and wound up on the show. And, and I don't, I don't think, a day has gone quicker than that day, uh, but got to, you know, obviously got to meet Michael Strahan, who's the host. And then the, the two celebrities on our episode were Von Miller, who was the Super Bowl MVP from the Broncos and uh, a, a startup singer. He's kind of a, a little known name named Usher. Uh, so he's, you know, he's kind of an up and comer. Yeah. He, keep an eye on that guy. Keep yeah. an eye on that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they, it was fantastic. It was an amazing uh, opportunity and, and it's something that I will always uh, go back and cherish and, and laugh at because it was a pretty hilarious episode as well. Yeah, that's really cool. No, I love that. Um, and I love your mantra, why not? Uh, and, and that kind of is a good segue to what we're going to talk about here today, because I think, you know, we're, we're speaking about uh, legal marketing and business development. And I think instead of asking why not, a lot of lawyers ask why. I mean, I think that's in their nature. And as a result, um, especially as it relates to kind of doing some of the things they should be doing to build a book of business and engage in marketing and grow their networks, they tend to overcomplicate things. 
um, maybe asking why instead of why not. Um, so, Rich, I know we've talked about this before and about some of the importance of, as it relates to business development, just kind of going back to some of the nuts and bolts and fundamentals of, of what that means, you know, in terms of building relationships and connecting with people authentically, that kind of thing. Can you t talk a little bit about that and just, you know, maybe some of the important fundamentals that a lot of lawyers overlook when it comes to marketing and business development? Sure. You know, I, I think I, I start with the core of, of, you know, the, the thing that I learned back early in my, my sales and marketing days when I first got out of college was the whole, um, the kiss theory, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where we tend to overcomplicate things because we want to be impressive or we want to shake the world up with our, with our thought leadership or our knowledge or our information share. At the core of things, people just want to default to the easiest thing. They want to talk about what is really truly important. It's those conversations that really are easy to have. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, especially through a lot of client interviews and working on client teams and interviewing in-house counsel, the, the biggest things that they come back with are some of the more basic human communication elements. Make sure you call me back. Think about my business. Call me and ask me questions. Do those kinds of things. And I think there's this inherent fear and I say this with all the respect in the world, but it's the, there's this inherent fear with attorneys that one, they don't want to seem like they don't know something. So by asking questions, they some put their guard up and say, well, I'm supposed to be, have the one, be the one with all the answers. That's not the case. The case is that you need to ask questions to get to know your client, your client's business. You need to understand as thoroughly as possible so that you can become an advisor and not a vendor. Because that is such a key difference in that relationship where a vendor is somebody that has somebody come to them when they need something and it's a pretty short transaction. An advisor is somebody who you develop a relationship with and you move forward in the process with and you are somebody who keeps an eye out for your client's best interest. And by the, having those simple nuts and bolts conversations, what do they need? What kind of communication do they prefer? When do they prefer it? How do you want your emails formatted? Those kinds of basic things are what really can turn uh, an engagement into a true client relationship between an attorney and a client. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it is those, it is the little things that, that really do matter. But, um, you know, too often I, f I find that a lot of times, like we talked about in terms of keeping it simple or keeping it complicated, um, they think that there's going to be a bigger impact as a result of, of something that is seemingly more complex than just, having a habitual practice of just calling the client back within, you know, 12 hours or, or whatever the case might be. And, and those are the things that, that matter all the time. And I think that's particularly important because, you know, in my experience, when I used to practice law, um, particularly when you're talking about um, legal services, perhaps, you know, this might, when you're talking about the fortune 100, this might be a little different, but when you're talking about most consumers of legal services, um, they, they don't necessarily have the ability to distinguish between, you know, say B minus legal work and A legal work. Um, but what they can tell is whether you're treating them with respect, returning their calls in a timely manner, um, and just, you know, not speaking down to them, all of those things that, that ultimately really matter when it comes to uh, establishing those relationships and connections. Yeah. And I, and I would say that that applies for the Fortune 100. I think it applies for all companies. And I think this will be the most shocking revelation that has ever heard on the Thought Leadership Project podcast. And, and brace yourself. In-house counsel are people. What? And they, I know, right? <laughs> they, they want to be, you know, truly, I've, I've talked with some in-house counsel that say, you know what? I want to enjoy who I work with. 
I want to enjoy who I who I'm engaging all in these matters on. And if you can't get to the point where you're having a really good relationship with your client, you may be missing out on the differentiator that you never knew you had. And at the end of the day, if you line up a bunch of firms and everybody pretty much has the same amount of, of stuff, right? You know, legal expertise and, and tools and, and AFAs and all of these things. And you're going to get pretty close across the board. I mean, there may be a little bit of a differentiator here and there, but on the whole, you see a lot of these firms that match up well and, and there's really not that big of a lead from one to the other. But when it comes down to it, especially when you think about, you know, all these larger companies are going through consolidation processes. And so if I'm them, and what I'm hearing them say too in these conversations is that we, we look at all these firms across the board that we work with. And here's where we, our spend is really primarily located. And where I've seen potential for displacement or true displacement is that you've got a firm that they're doing a lot of work with, they're sending a lot of money to, but... From a, from a subjective feedback standpoint, they don't return phone calls. You know, one of the comments you made earlier, they don't talk to me with respect. Are you kidding me? You could lose a relationship because you're not having a conversation with your client and you're not engaging them as if you are their advisor and you're their friend. If you even think for one second that your client wants to hear you call them and tell you, you know, you, you lecture them on what, you, what they should do, you've missed the whole point of client service it really boils down to the golden rule of things. And I, I, I talked about that the other day too, is that I think one of the, or I think I posted something on LinkedIn about this the other day, that think about yourself as a consumer. Think about the last time you had a wonderful consumer experience and think about the last time you had a horrible one. And think about the characteristics and, the, and the, what qualified each as such. And it, when it boils down to is you want to be communicated to, to, you want to be talked to like a human being, you want to be reassured that your problem is going to be solved, you want to be talked to with respect, and you don't want to be surprised by cost. Those are the tr traditional things that you think about as a consumer. It's the exact same thing for our clients. If you can't focus on those things as the starting point, you're missing out on a whole bunch of opportunity. Yeah, I think it was a, um, a previous guest, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I think it was Spencer, right? Spencer X. Smith. Yeah, who I know who, Rich knows and, and yeah. loves Spencer, man. Spencer is, Spencer is the man. You talk, talk about a rock star. That, that dude's the rock star. Yeah, and he, he, if you heard the episode, Rich, he made this simple observation that people will hire the attorney. They're not hiring the firm necessarily. Sure, the name plate probably has some kind of gravitas that maybe has some level of influence in the purchasing decision but at the end of the, at the end of the day a person is hiring another person and they need to feel comfortable with that person and i heard this throughout my entire career for people who would ask me if i understood b2b marketing and i would always you know i would kind of cringe at the the very suggestion that that's somehow different than two people actually having a relationship at the end of the day gm doesn't buy anything from lear there's there's somebody at gm that's going to purchase something from somebody, a person, and it goes back to that human to human um, contact and the respect. And at the, at the end of the day, we hire people who we like and trust. Exactly. And I th there was another example that I heard the other day that um, a, a general counsel was sharing information on how they select their outside counsel. And they said, at some point, I look at that individual or I, I'm interacting with that individual or they're pitching me. And I think to myself, at some point, I'm going to be locked in a room after hours trying to figure out a problem with them on my team. One, am I going to enjoy that individual? Am I going to be happy that I'm in there? And two, 
am I going to come out of that scenario better for it? Because I know that one, they've taken care of me as a person. Two, they've solved my problem as a client. And three, they've engaged me and listened to me and helped me along the way. Um, and I think that, that, I think the one thing that is also missing is empathy. And I've had this conversation numerous times lately that if you think about anytime you've picked up the phone to call somebody because you had a problem or, you, you know, you've Googled, thank, hopefully you haven't gone on WebMD because we're all going to die in a week if we look up any symptoms on WebMD. But if you go and contact somebody because you have an issue, there is some sort of uncertainty, insecurity, fear that is driving that phone call. So then flip that on the client. Think about the client when they pick up the phone. They're legal experts as well. They understand their business better than you do. They understand the problem better than you do. And they have a legal background as well. So there comes that point where they have run their course of knowledge. And the reason they're even, even reaching out to you is because one, they understand the problem and probably know the solution, but they want to double check because there's something on the line. Or two, they're outside of their scope of knowledge and or they don't have the resources internally or the knowledge internally. And that's why they're relying on you. Again, fear and nervousness, maybe a little bit of, of, of anxiety comes along with that as well. And so if you can't exercise empathy in that, in that interaction, again, you've missed out on a, a whole bunch of opportunity for relationship building. Absolutely. Yeah. Rich, uh, I know we, we share an affinity for a book that was written by uh, brothers uh, Chip and Dan Heath, who have written several outstanding books. Uh, this one, The Power of Moments. And I think this is another area of missed opportunity for many law firms. Um, maybe we can just spend a few minutes talking about some of the practical implications of that book and the ideas in it um, in terms of how maybe law firms and lawyers can um, improve the experience of their, of their clientele, um, sometimes in very small ways and how big of an impact that might have. Um, any, any thoughts about that? Ton, tons of them, man. I, don't, I think we may have to make this a saga podcast episode if, you, <laughs> if I'm going to share all of them. But you know, first thing I'll say is that The Power of Moments is one of the best books I've ever read. Yep, and I'm going to share that with you. And I think from, just from a, from a personal standpoint, it's a great book to read. But from a service provider standpoint, it's a must read. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll even go very gracious and say that you know, Chip and Dan don't owe either one of us any royalties on, <laughs> on subsequent sales of this book. But this is a must buy. Yep. Um, and it's one of those books that I took a, a ton of notes in and the columns. And, um, you know, I think what it gets down to is that we all enjoy that surprise and delight moment. We all want to be surprised in a positive way. Um, I think the example that I loved the most in there was there was a, they, they referenced a hotel in LA, I believe it was. That's um, right. That is, you know, of all the hotels in Los Angeles, of all the glamour and glitz that's in Los Angeles, this place was not by any means the Ritz. Um, it was a very mediocre from description standpoint, but they perfected service. And yeah. the example, and, and I love this, and of course, you know, as we, as we tend to get a little bit colder in this time of year, you know, the idea of popsicles is not the best idea. But the, the example that they gave was that they have a phone by the poolside, and keep me honest here, Jay, they have a phone by the poolside that if you pick up the phone, it goes directly to a hotline that you can order popsicles poolside. Yep. They bring them out and it's like white glove service. Mm -hmm. and, but it's all of these different things. Like they bring your laundry and they wrap it in this parchment paper, not parchment paper, like really nice paper and tie it with lavender. It's like things like that, that you think, wow, that's so different to me. And so again, like if, if you've got a myriad of firms that are just doing what is asked of them, 
they're solving the problem, they're closing the deal, they're avoiding litigation, which is to me, table stakes. Like I'm hiring you to do this, you know, don't pat yourself on the back because you did it. If you can find something over and above the actual completion of what I'm asking you to do, that is where the surprise and delight comes from. And one of my favorite questions to ask is, what was the last thing you did for your client that did not show up on a bill? Simple as that. If you can't answer that question, you need to dig deep and figure out what a differentiate, what differentiates you from other attorneys that do what you do. Um, but it is, it's all about that, that mint on the pillow mentality, right? Something that's just, it doesn't have to be monumental. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a 12 course dinner at the fanciest restaurant in the, in the, in the city. It just has to be something that shows that you, that you care that you want to do something for them because you appreciate them as a client. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's something, it's something, something memorable, right? It's something surprising and unexpected. Not, like you said, not expensive. This doesn't need to be, you know, a, uh, a $2 million event involving a weekend getaway on private jets. It's not it at all. It's just something that surprising and unexpected that breaks the scripts on what someone might expect from a lawyer or law firm. And that, that gets people talking. Um, so, I mean, it's super effective marketing. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, you, you hear, at least in, in our experience, a lot of law firms, uh, you know, they, they, they do benchmarking against other firms in the industry. Uh, but for the, the, the very opposite reason why, of why they should be doing it, which is to, to make sure that they're sort of staying within, uh, you know, the, what other firms are doing when they should be doing that sort of benchmarking to be able to do the exact opposite in many respects, do something different and memorable in order to stand out. Um, so yeah, that, the idea of things like um, creating, a, you know, here, I guess here's an example for, for many firms, the, for uh, or lawyers, the, the last experience that a client all, often has at the end of an engagement with a lawyer is, is receiving a large bill. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be the last interaction, right? The end moment, as Chip and Dan Heath talk about, is probably the thing that will cement in your client's mind or your customer's mind about the entire experience. It'll be the, it'll be the big takeaway from the experience. So if what you're doing to end an engagement is sending a bill, then need to rethink how you create memorable moments that will last and get people talking about you and coming back for more. So that's kind of a, a small example. Maybe yeah, we'll- and, I, and I, love, I love that what you alluded to as far as don't just do something that's going to delight them, but get them talking. Mm-hmm. What can you do that's different? And I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll digress a little bit, but they, the first client that I ever landed as a salesperson right out of college was about 22, 23 and it was a hospital in Iowa City. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And I was trying my hardest to land that first client, you know, and, and sales and marketing and, and business development. It's always, you got to break that first client and then the floodgates tend to open because you hit your groove. And there was a hospital that I was trying to get in and trying to get in and couldn't make any, any headway. And I noticed one of the nurses um, was, was expecting. And I you know, struck up conversation. I was you know, acting like a human being, having a conversation. My clients were humans too. And I asked and she said, oh yeah, I'm you know, doing a couple months and, and this, is what, this is what's going to go on. They, they weren't my client at this point. And so I came back a month later. I wrote it on my calendar, made a note, made, knew I was going back through Iowa City a month later. So I went back, I stopped in there intentionally and I took her a box, what looked like my product. And I came in and I knew that she was going to be in there. And I walked in and I, I set the box in and I said, here's the, here's the product that you ordered. She looked at me and she almost was slightly offended. She goes, well, we didn't order anything from you. You know, we, we understand what you do, but we haven't ordered anything from you. And I said, 
I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. You know, I, I maybe I've got the wrong one mixed up. And I said, but let me, let me double check and make sure that this is the right product. I opened the box up and there was a teddy bear in there hmm. and I handed it to her and I said, Hey, I said, I just wanted to congratulate you. And I, you know, I was, I wanted to, I was, wanted you to know that I was thinking about you and, and I hope everything goes well. I don't know if I'll see you before you go out on leave, but I want you to, want you to have this. And I want this to be um, just a gift from me. Just, uh, you know, a thank you for giving me your time. And she not only reached out to their purchasing manager and said, give him some business. I don't care what it is. Give him some business. She also called several of her nurse friends within the, in the region and let them know that this guy had, who had been knocking on doors was different. And I wound up displacing my competitor who had 99% of the territory when I took over. I took every bit of that business from him because I developed that relationship with my clients that they were all talking to each other. So they were referring me on my behalf and I had marketers all over the place in that territory for me. But again, it's just that little, it was a, it was a $6 teddy bear for God's sake. That was the difference. In the worst case scenario in that, of what you did, the very worst case scenario was you brightened somebody's day right. and it was a good gesture and you did a good deed. So why is that difficult? Right. Cause you know, the worst case scenario isn't saying, no, I'm not buying from you. What are you doing here? And get out of here. The sign on the door says no solicitation. Right. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. Right. We've talked about Jay and I have talked about this all the times when you're giving and not asking, then it becomes a very easy thing to do to make these gestures and to have these moments like that. On 100% agree with that. And, and that, that mentality too. And I tag that on with that, the why not mentality, but if you're doing and not expecting and you're giving and not expecting things will turn for you. It'll take some time and it'll take some convincing because we're, we're now in a society where we're inherently skeptical of people that are doing that. Like, well, what are you really after? I'm just doing a good thing. That's all that matters to me. Now, if somebody listens to this podcast and all of a sudden a bunch of teddy bears start showing up at in-house council desks, <laughs> yeah. we, may have, we may have to talk about literal assumptions, but um, <laughs> you know, hopefully everybody can find their own teddy bear version of what I pulled off. Yeah, yeah. Real, real quick, there's two book recommendations and I'm guessing that you've read both of them, Rich. Uh, the Go-Giver? Oh, yes. So The Go-Giver uh, espouses exactly what you just described, which is mm -hmm. always quote unquote, paying it forward before that term even existed. Um, and eventually it comes back to you. And even if nothing does come back to you, you've still done a good thing in the universe. So great. Very short read, but very good one. Mm -hmm. And the other has either Jay or you, have you guys read um, Patrick Lencioni's Getting Naked? I have, I have not, not, but I, it's an intriguing title. Yes, it is. Well, well, let me take all the luster out of it by explaining what it is. <laughs> of course, it's, it's Lencioni in that title. Now I'm like, ah, I got yeah. to see that in my head. Right. So as you might guess, it's a you know, business fable in the typical Lencioni style. But he talks about, because you mentioned this earlier, uh, attorneys maybe not wanting to lower their guard and, and make it look like they don't have all the answers. This might be a good first book for someone in that situation to read. Getting Naked is all about exposing your vulnerabilities to your client and how that endears them to you. So uh, maybe a recommendation for both of you. I'd love to get your, uh, your reviews on it, and then we can talk maybe later about, hopefully you'll agree that other attorneys should, should, if not read the book, then certainly embrace the notion behind it, which is it's okay to let your guard down and be a human. And right. that vulnerability that you're now thinking or fearing as a weakness is actually going to be seen as an endearing and attractive quality to the person on the other end. Agreed. Completely agreed. I will, I will definitely check it out. And if you guys will have me back, maybe we can do a little, little book club review. That would be a lot of fun. Yep. And bring your own wine. 
Uh, done. Done. Book clubs usually become wine clubs. I yes, they do. If I've, if I've heard of one book club, I've heard of one, I've heard of a hundred that books are usually on the table, but it's, it's more about the wine than the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, sp- speaking of books and content, um, there's, there's gotta be some implications here uh, for the use of content marketing to be able to uh, kind of connect with your audience and your prospective clients and clients in a, in an authentic, interesting way. Um, any thoughts about that, Rich? I mean, one thing that comes to mind is certainly the opportunity to collaboratively create content, um, sort of a one-on-one experience with a particular con- uh, client or, or prospect. But w- what do you think about that in terms of um, thinking really uh, about the creation of content in a, in a new and new and unique ways and how you can do that with uh, in an authentic way? Sure. You know, as you know me well, that, that the content marketing piece of it is, is very much near and dear to my heart. And I think um, what, and again, I say this with respect, I think what our industry is in dire need of is a, a fresh injection of hum, humanity mm-hmm. um, in content and in not just let me regurgitate the legalese of something. Um, some of the more entertaining and, and, and informative uh, as well articles and content that I've read have been from the point of view of somebody who understands the legal concept, um, whether it's an attorney that I'm working with that's writing something or something that I've seen just in, in some, some industry study. But the things that I really enjoy reading and I learn from are the ones that are written with some sort of candor to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I think, and I, you know, I'm not an attorney as much as I love to argue and I'm, obje- and I'm objective to a, to a fault. Um, but I think in that world, there is enough ingestion of dry reading and dry words and dry this and dry that, that people enjoy reading something that's a little bit more entertaining. And I talk about this with presentations too, for the love of God, don't get up there and be Ferris Bueller's teacher. Get up there, tell a story, make it interesting, make it entertaining, do something a little bit different. I've said that to attorneys that I've consulted with um, as an outside consultant, and you would have thought I just punched them in the stomach. They're like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Yes. If I'm going to take my time away from my family and or my work to come to a conference or sit through a webinar or something like that, for the love of God, make it interesting. Make it entertaining. I want to learn and enjoy learning from you rather than sit, you know, have you sit up there and read all of the, the code and legislature that you've slapped on a PowerPoint. And I'm just, I'm reading it along with you and my voice is on the inside is better than yours externally. Um, so I think when you talk about those kinds of things, I think writing with candor, writing with some humanity and writing with business sense and business advice versus just here's the legal part of things. Um, but also don't be afraid to ask your clients what they want. You know, I, I think that was one of the, one, a very advantageous conversation I had with a, with a client one time I said, you know, we could go produce whatever you want. We could go write about, create, create a CLE, create a webinar, create a podcast, whatever. We can go do all those things. What do you want to hear? What's really important to you? What's the most critical issue on your mind? That, even if it's just an excuse to pick up the phone and call your client and say, hey, we're building a a webinar series and we're looking at these three areas, but I wanted to stop and ask you, what's most important to you? What's front of mind for you? So I think that that personalization, both on the content creation and the content um, distribution, well, the content creation and the content um, um, uh, dialect that goes along with presentations and things like that. But at the same time, I mean, your clients, are, are wanting to talk to you, 
pick up the phone and call them. Send, you know, don't send an email and say, hey, we're, you know, we are creating a CLE uh, event and we want to know what you would like to see as far as regulation, blah, blah, you know, <laughs> And I'm, that's my best robot voice. Yeah, that's, yeah, good. that's pretty good. Um, hey, I thought you were I, doing. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I thought you were doing impression. I thought you were um, doing Ben Stein. <laughs> Bueller. It did go on to Bueller. make a career out of that, by the way. <laughs> Something D O O economics. Um, but honestly, like it, it all comes back to the same thing. Just be a, be personable, be engaging, understand that when you communicate that, they, they assume that you know the legal background of something. Take it, digest it, you know, uh, uh, convert it and communicate it in a way that is engaging and something that they're going to want to hear. Because at the same time too, if they want to hear it and they're enjoying it, going back to the referral thing, what's the likelihood of them sharing it with a, a teammate, a colleague, a friend in the industry and saying, hey, this is the, you know, this article is really important because it talks about this issue, but it's actually a really good read. I, that, I'll take that compliment all day long. It could be the most garbage, uh, you know, assumption of law ever, but if it's well-written, you've gotten somebody's attention. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then that's, uh, that's the first step, obviously, in, in, in the business development funnel, I guess, right? Where you, they've got to get to know you. Uh, and, and if you're, if, if you're uh, anonymous, then you'll never be able to uh, compete. So that's, uh, and I think that's a great place to wrap up, Rich. Um, so thank you for all of those great insights. Uh, and I think a lot of valuable takeaways for our audience. Um, I, I'm going to direct people to richbracken.com if that works, uh, Rich, in terms of that's where they can find your podcast, mm -hmm. a lot of your writing, anywhere else that uh, I would also encourage people to connect or follow Rich on on LinkedIn. He, he's always active and sharing a lot of great stuff on LinkedIn as well. But any other just sort of closing thoughts or, or places people should check you out, Rich? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty frequently active on, uh, on Instagram and, and Twitter as well at rich Bracken one. You can find the link to those on, on rich Um, definitely connect with me on, uh, on LinkedIn and, and maybe we can even, I know you guys do some, some jazzy stuff with the, the podcast promotion. Maybe we can do the, the, uh, the LinkedIn QR code trick with that. And, um, all three of us can get connections for, for the, uh, for the, for our LinkedIn networks. There you go. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn richbracken.com uh, at richbracken1 on Twitter and Instagram. Those are, those are the best places to find me. What about on um, a game show? <laughs> you know, um, I, I am always up for that. Uh, and what I will say is that I have, uh, I had another opportunity that was, was coming to fruition, but because I had appeared on the $100,000 pyramid too soon to the audition, they, they, uh. they said, hey, you know, we have this rule, but um, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm always keeping my eye out for fun opportunities like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the other thing that I truly enjoy and I think is an underutilized uh, tool in the legal industry uh, to kind of bring it back to, to, the, to the business side of things is television. I think a lot of, you know, I, I have gotten a lot of uh, speaking requests and, and, and different interactions just based off of my television, both on the pyramid and on, on the news in Kansas City. Uh, but that too is a really wonderful tool and uh, has been a lot of fun, but you never know. You, and, and if I wind up on the prices, right, I'm putting you guys in contestants row and I'm going to, I'm going to blatantly announce it now so that there's proof of collusion, but I'm going to get you guys in contestants row. Perfect. Right. Well, last plug before you go, cause I, I would be remiss if I didn't encourage listeners to check out 
the most recent um, episode of your podcast where you interviewed Jay Harris from ESPN. Really yeah. cool about living your dream job. Uh, yeah. Inspirational, great interview and, and great podcast. So thank you so yeah. much. Yep. Yeah. And, and we'll just wrap up here. And I would just encourage our listeners uh, to take Rich's advice. And the next time you're uh, presented with a marketing or business development opportunity, say why not and go after it. So thanks again, Rich. And uh, please join us next week for another episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.